Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Thank you. So we are so excited about what God is doing in Columbia. And just a little bit of background, but before we get to that background, I just want to say we love Columbia. It's an honor and a privilege to serve where the Lord has called us. And um, we know that a lot of times when people hear about Columbia, they have these negative thoughts about what goes on in Columbia. They think of things just like in this video. And the reality is, is Columbia has gone through a very long conflict period, but I will say that over the past 20 years, they have worked so hard to make life better for their citizens in so many different areas, and they've accomplished that. And so now the conflict is really concentrated to specific regions of Colombia because, you know, peace doesn't arrive to every community at the same rate. And so as we share the different stories and as you hear the different things about Colombia, we don't want that to be added into a generalization that you might have about Colombia. Colombia is a beautiful place worthy of our utmost thought and respect. It's a beautiful culture, rich history. And so as we share different stories, just understand that that's isolated things in Colombia, but it shouldn't be used as something to say that this is what Colombia is about because we love Colombia too much to give it that kind of a reputation. So with that being said, a little bit of background. You know, we moved to Columbia in 2017. We had no idea what we were going to do. We literally got off the plane and we're like, um, okay, like I guess we're going to missionary. <laughs> you know, like I, we didn't have anything set up. We had no connections. We knew a few different missionaries in the area and they connected us with a few pastors. Uh, and we kind of just learned and grew. And then uh, we traveled around the country, and the Lord eventually landed uh, us in the region where we serve now, and this is where the project began. And so it's been such a God thing to have everything put together, but we often get two questions when you hear about this project and about our life in Colombia. Is One, why do this agriculture piece, right? Like, shouldn't we just plant the church? Can we plant the church and be done and, and move on? And the reality is, is that Colombia, as I've shared, has gone through an over 50-year conflict, and conflict has consequences. So we have, in our region alone, about nine different rebel groups that operate in the area. And it began as just different ideology from the government, more Marxist ideology, and then they were able to fund themselves through drug trafficking. So that's kind of how a lot of this began. Over time, it became less about politics and more just about making money, but the people who are caught in the middle are the people in these communities because as rebel groups take over different territory, the people who live there are cut off essentially from the rest of society. So better infrastructure doesn't get there, meaning good roads don't get there, making it very difficult to export other crops. It means that good health care doesn't get there. It means good education. So children don't learn about other opportunities of things that they can do. And so what ends up happening is people are pretty much forced to grow coca crops, which is the crop for used for cocaine, because there's no other option for them to feed their families. There's nothing else that will support them. And it's easy because they, one, they know how to grow it. But two, like the rebel groups will buy directly from them, eliminating a whole transportation piece. And so there's so much going on there. But 
When we think about planting the church and we think about the model that Jesus lays before us, Jesus cares about all of us. He cares about the whole person. And so he doesn't just look at us and say, you know, all you need is just a spiritual revival. He says he looks at, at your situation. He looks at the, at the woman caught in adultery and he stands in the way. He, he puts himself in the middle of the situation and he says, it's not just enough for me to say, you, you know, just change he stands in the way and prevents her from dying and then does something and says, go and sin no more. And so we believe the same thing. And, and at the same time, as people come to Christ, as people uh, you know, accept the Lord, they're going to now have a little bit of a moral conflict of what are they going to do to support their families. And we want to be sure that pastors have all the tools necessary to be able to reach out and connect with their communities. And then the second piece that we often get that we're often asked about is, well, isn't that dangerous? Isn't that dangerous to to be in an area where these rebel groups are dependent on drug trafficking? Well, the short answer is, yeah. Like, we try and take every mitigation possible. We do things with wisdom. We walk alongside nationals. We do as much as we can to mitigate any risk. But the reality is, is we can go all day long and talk about a million and one problems that go on. And too often, we just end the conversation there. And I wonder sometimes as people ask us, they say, well, isn't it dangerous? And if we were to just say, well, yeah, is the expectation that we just wouldn't do it? <laughs> like, that's not what God has called us to. He hasn't called us to a place of security. He calls us to wisdom. He called us to, calls us to, us to himself. And he definitely doesn't desire for us to be in these negative situations. But by faith, we trust him. And by faith, we walk those things out. And we believe that this is where the Lord is leading us. And so, yeah, there is some difficulty with that. But at the same time, that's not where God has asked us to stop. And that's what we're going to be sharing on a little bit uh, here today. There's a story that we're going to be going to in a minute in Daniel 6. But, um, but the Lord doesn't call us to just stop when things get difficult. And, you know, have things been difficult in this past year, in the past almost year and a half? Well, I guess a year, it's March. Um, but have things not been difficult? Things have been difficult. It hasn't been an easy year. But never once had the Lord told us to stop. Had he said, well, up to here is where you should go. He's always... Uh, pushed us and encouraged us to move further. The church has grown. The church has done more than it ever has before. The church is more equipped than it ever has been before to reach the new and current generation. The Lord never asked us to stop. The Lord never told us to stop pushing the church forward. And so we can't allow these difficult circumstances and situations to prevent us from doing that. So Raquel's going to come and she's going to share a little bit from this story in Daniel where we see this same thing lived out. It's something that we have lived before pandemic, just living in our area of Columbia where, you know, things got difficult, but the Lord was challenging us on how we should be responding in those times of difficulty. Good morning. Good morning, those of you online. Uh, such a blessing to be with you all this morning. Uh, like Brian said, I'm Raquel, and uh, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the, the scripture meat with you, if you will. Um, but we're going to start in Galatians 2.20. And I've kind of changed this title sermon, honestly, not before I knew that it was the theme for uh, the National Assemblies of God Missions Convention, um, all for Jesus. So Galatians 2.20, I'm sure that you saw it there in the bulletin. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I want you to just take that scripture and put it in your back pocket because we're going to reference it back as we keep going. But so where we're going to be is in Daniel chapter 6. And before I read you that portion of scripture starting at verse 10, I want to give you a little bit of background about Daniel. So the Daniel that we're talking about is same Daniel as Daniel in the lion's den, okay? So something that you need to know about Daniel, there's a couple things. One is that Daniel was taken captive by, the king, by king Nebuchadnezzar when Babylon took over Jerusalem. So King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, went to Jerusalem, picked like the best and brightest people, and among those people were Daniel to go and serve in the palace in Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar finds Daniel. He's like, hmm, this guy seems good. Takes him as a prisoner to work in the palace in Babylon. So Daniel serves in the palace for many years in Babylon and serves under various kings. And one of the things that becomes evident to all of these kings that Daniel serves under is that Daniel is a super faithful, dedicated servant of God. If you read through the whole book of Daniel, you'll see story after story and occasion after occasion where he is just dedicated. He is all in all of the time. And so that's something that's important to note about Daniel. So Daniel is now in this situation in chapter 6 where he's serving under King Darius. And Daniel has this special relationship with King Darius. King Darius is a big fan of Daniel's. And so Daniel is serving under King Darius, and he's kind of like rising in the ranks a little bit. And how many of us know that sometimes when we rise to favor with some people, we encounter enemies or people who are jealous, right? Sometimes whether that's in like jobs, school, could be even be in like family, I don't know, things like that, that when you get favor with some person, other people might be jealous. So this is what happens in this case, and Daniel makes some enemies in the kingdom of Babylon, and so these enemies are like, you know what, we need to get rid of Daniel, like we're done with him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set a trap for him, and we're just going to catch him doing something that we are going to make illegal, and then we'll be done of him. So these enemies go to King Darius, and they're like, King Darius, uh, we have an idea. We think that you should make a law for the next 30 days. No one should worship or pray to any god except for you. And King Darius, bless his heart, is a nice classic Old Testament king with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And he's like, oh, no one can worship me? Sounds like a plan. Let's sign that. So they sign it, and they make it a law saying that if anybody prays or worships anybody except for King Darius for 30 days, will be thrown into the lion's den. So this is where we start now in Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opens towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. The men are the enemies. Asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. We're going to pause here, and then we're going to jump to verse 19. So they find Daniel. They've caught him. They know he's praying three times a day. They go to King Darius. King Darius is a big fan of Daniel. He's distraught. He does everything he can to try to save Daniel from this decree that has already been published. He can't. 
And ultimately, Daniel is thrown and sealed into the lion's den, okay? So this is the next morning after Daniel has spent the night in the lion's den. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. Forever, My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I think a lot of times we hear that story and we're just like, oh, that's a cool miracle that God did. He didn't die in the lion's den. But... I, you know, Brian and I have been studying this passage of scripture for a good chunk of time now, and all I, all I can ever think of every time I read it is, what was Daniel thinking during this entire process? Like, I read this story, and yes, it's a miracle, but I also think of Daniel's put in what seems like a really impossible situation. I mean, like, and what we know about Daniel at this point is that he's faithful, He's a dedicated servant, and throughout the book we see that, but the portion of scripture that I want to really like zoom in on is chapter 6, verse 10, and this is what it says. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. And when I read that portion of scripture and I reflect on Galatians 2.20, I feel like Daniel is making three really bold statements that reflect Galatians 2.20, even though it was before his time. Now remember, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body that I live, by faith I live in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Daniel's on his knees three times a day, and I feel like it's essentially he's saying this. In this life I'm living, God, it's all yours. In this body I'm living, God, it's all yours. By faith I'm living, God, I'm all yours. These men set up a trap for Daniel, and he's stuck. And if I were Daniel, I would 100% feel stuck. I imagine that we can all think of, you know, situations where things that we were doing before, the circumstances change, and now we can't do the same thing we had been doing the entire time. And Daniel, like, he has been faithful and obedient this whole time, right? He hasn't done anything wrong before the eyes of God, but he still finds himself in this situation. And I can think of times that I have, like, in my life gone, like, Lord, if I encounter trials for you, I will count it all joy and trust in you fully, And that sounds really good before you're in a trial, right? And then you're in the middle of something, and I'm deaf. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I always find myself singing far more of a tune of, God, why did you let this happen to me? I was faithful and obedient to you. Why am I in this situation? But I'm confident I'm the only one who ever feels this way, correct? Surely none of you have ever experienced that before. Um, But I'm listening to the story of Daniel, and I'm feeling inspired and a little convicted. Like, I think that looking at the story, if there were ever a time to be in self-preservation mode, this were a time where we all would have been like, yeah, I totally get why Daniel did that, right? Like, when we think about it, I think sometimes we think of, like, people in the Bible, and we're like, oh, they're these, like, higher and mighty people. Like, they were just regular people like you and I who were servants of God. And so I think that he would have been in self-preservation mode, that he hears this decree, and none of us would have blamed him if he had been like, God, 
I still love you. I'm still obedient to you. I still trust you. But for the next 30 days, I'm just going to like pray in the back of the house in like a closet away from the window type of a situation. But no, his priorities don't change. His mission stays exactly the same as it was before. And so I kind of am like envisioning it like this. So it says he gets down three times a day to pray, right? And we don't know exactly how long this happened until the enemies caught him. Long enough that they caught him at least three times a day, right? And I would imagine that he's not like, you know, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. I imagine it's more spread out, right? So this is kind of what I'm envisioning. The first time he hears about the decree and he's like, well, time to pray. Here we go. Goes up next to his open window and he's like, God, in this life I'm living, I'm yours. In this body that I have, God, it's all yours. I'm living by faith, God. I'm all yours. A couple hours later, supposedly, he gets down a second time in front of the open window, knowing that if he's caught, his physical body is in danger. And I think sometimes we get a little bit nervous when our physical bodies are going to be in danger. And that's a human thing, right? Like, we're humans, and so, of course, our emotions are, you know, right. But how many times are we willing to put our bodies on the line for the mission, for that global calling that God has us to do? And so he gets down a second time, and he's like, in this life I'm living, God, I'm all yours. My body that I have, God, it's all yours. I'm going to live my life by faith, God. It's all yours. And then a third time, he gets on the, down by the window to pray. And this time, he's not begging God to spare his life. Maybe he had a moment of like, you know, God, if I could not go to the lion's den, that would be cool. But that's not really what's focused on in that portion of scripture. It says he's giving thanks to God just as he had done before. And he's in the middle of a trial situation. He's like, God, in my life, I'm all yours. In my body, I'm all yours. I'm going to live my life by faith, God. I'm all yours. His circumstance has changed, obviously. But his obedience and his calling hasn't changed at all. And I think sometimes we can come before the altars, maybe now, maybe pre-COVID, however y'all do it, you know, maybe we got down at the altar in our personal time with the Lord, and we're like, God, in the life that I'm going to live, God, my life is yours. God, whatever happens to my body, God, physically, I'm all yours. God, I live by faith, and I trust you. I am all yours. And then something happens that rocks our faith, or we're confused, or we find ourselves in a really serious trial, and Again, maybe it's just me. Sometimes I am really quick to throw those things out the window and get in self-preservation mode. And, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened in this past year, right, that have caused us to change our priorities in a lot of ways, right? Maybe some people didn't wash their hands before, and now they wash their hands, right? And that's a small thing. But, like, you know, there's so many things that have happened, and it seems like all of the things that we did before don't apply. That... You know, because of trial and adversity and loss and grief and discomfort, all of that has changed our circumstances and what we did before we can't do. And I'm not negating that. I'm telling you more of like sharing more of like a both can be true. Yes, those things can 100% be true. And also the calling and the Great Commission haven't changed. The need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth still hasn't changed. The need is still great. In fact, you might even be able to say 
that because of the amount of people who have been able to access the gospel over the internet for the past year, like think about how many churches had to switch to online, right? I bet you that there are hundreds and thousands of people on a global scale who had never heard of Jesus, and now they have had almost year-long access to getting to know who Jesus is. I would say the harvest is more ready than ever before at this point until everyone has heard. The circumstances of how we do things might change, but the calling to go and preach the gospel hasn't changed. The circumstances of meeting in person to a certain degree have changed, but the aspect that people we need to make disciples hasn't changed. The circumstances of safe and peace, safety and peace and how we feel and interpret those things might have changed, but the God who gives peace and wants to reconcile everyone to him hasn't changed. We are all still prayed, called to pray and to give and to go. That's a global calling, in case you were not aware. That's for all of us. It's just as much for me and for Brian and for Pastor Brian and Pastor Paula as it is for everybody. It's for all of us. We're all called to do something. We are all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are all called to share the love and truth of the gospel. We are all called to obedience. I know everybody doesn't like that word all the time. We're all called to obedience and to serve and be part of God's global mission. God, my life is yours. My physical body is yours. I'm choosing to live by faith, God. I am all yours. And how do we live that out in our daily lives? What does that look like for our families, for our communities, for the circles? What does it look for our finances? What does it look like for us as being part of the church body? Circumstances have changed. Situations have changed. Our calling has not changed. The Great Commission is still great. And we are all called still to be a part of that. Daniel gave thanks because God is unmoved and unchanging. He's still worthy, and he is still calling people and still equipping them to be part of that global mission that he has. And uh, Brian's going to come and share a story with you of a time God reminded us that circumstances change, but uh, his calling doesn't. Good stuff, right? By the way, today's Raquel's birthday, so she's doing a great job. And Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. So, yeah, so to follow up on what Raquel was sharing, you know, one of the things that I find in this story to be so impactful is this moment when Daniel is shut in the lion's den. It says they rolled the stone over and he was shut in the lion's den. And at this point, Daniel's fate is literally sealed. He is without hope. He is in the darkness. He is surrounded by rock all around him. And then lions who are very hungry. And I think that sometimes we can feel that we reach these seasons in our life where it seems like we are at the lowest low in the worst place possible. And sometimes we can say it doesn't feel fair. 
Why am I here? God, I did exactly what you asked me to. Daniel did exactly what God had asked him to. Be faithful to him. Have no other gods besides him. Daniel was literally following the commandments that he was given, and yet this is his fate? That is conflicting. That's a difficult situation. But do you know what happens when Daniel walks into this and he says, God, I'm all yours. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to try and interpret this as if you're doing something negative to me because I was, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, God, I'm here. I'm all yours, whatever you want to do. And then that's when God does this great miracle. God does things in his own timing for his own reasons. God could have stopped this whole situation from happening. God could have stopped Daniel from going to the lion's den right before he stepped in. And God also could do exactly what he did and rescue him once he's in the den. And there's all different things that happen. That's why we give thanks for the times that God protects us when we're unknowing of it. Then there are other times where maybe, for instance, you've been in a car accident and nothing happened. And you say, God, I realized that I was on the edge of something happening, but nothing happened. And then there are moments where something does happen, but God comes through miraculously. And do you know what that does? One, you better believe that that rocked Daniel's faith. That was a game changer for him. It made all the difference. But not only did it make all the difference for him, but it made all the difference in his ministry that he'd been leading up to. You know, if we read further down into verse 25 of chapter 6, it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. So what turns from a decree from him being the one who is the center of worship is now turned to God being the center of the worship among all people, among all nations, because Daniel was willing to go into the lion's den. And he gave thanks the whole way as he he prayed, as he knew his fate. If he continued to pray in those open windows, he gave thanks anyway. And it led to that. And then it says right after that, it says uh, in verse 28, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He prospered. It's so easy for us to look at the negative situations that we're going through and pause and hold up there. And, you know, it's one thing to watch our video, for instance, and look at the beautiful scenery of Columbia, hear us lay out a project of what it's going to be. But it's a whole other thing to be a part of the from the beginning to the end because it was not nearly as clear cut, as beautiful or as understandable in the beginning. And I'm going to share with you a story of the very beginning of how this all started. So when we, uh, you know, felt called to move to this other city, it was about one month before we were going to move, we decided that we would move. And we made a video. We made a video to announce to our supporters, the churches, you know, the people back home, just saying, hey, we're going to be moving in one month, continue to pray for us. We're so excited for all that God is going to do. And uh, then we posted that video and uh, for everybody to see. And then we also let our landlord know that we were going to be moving out at the end of the month, that we weren't going to need the place. And we began the process of trying to uh, rent a new house that we had already kind of had our eyes on in this other city. 
So all of that's happening. And then within about an hour of us posting this video, we find out, so in Colombia, there's a bunch of highways and they all funnel down to one highway called the Pan-American Highway. And the Pan-American Highway then goes down into the rest of South America. It's on, you, we go to Ecuador, then Peru, then Chile, you know, all, all the way down to Argentina and the southern tip. And, um, and our city is right along the Pan-American Highway and there's no other highway that will get you to where we live. It's only that highway. And it's a very indigenous area, and we also have, as we've shared in our area, lots of conflict. There's lots of things that go on. And sometimes in areas of conflict, it becomes so normal that people stop caring. Like, to be honest, there are things that go on in our region, and nobody in Colombia knows that it goes on. And nobody pays attention that it goes on because it's just so normal. So this makes people feel helpless. And so one of the things that they have done is uh, they go out onto the highway and they block the highway. And they think that they can get the government's attention to do that. And, and uh, it happens often. And it normally goes on for like a day or so. And it's not really a big deal. So we thought, well, that's interesting. The road's closed. But we're moving in a month. Well, a week goes by and the protest is still going on. And not only is the protest going on, now it's been infiltrated by these rebel groups to look violent. And so it's actually become violent. Now we're seeing bombs go off on the side of the highway. We're seeing fire, smoke. There's machine gun fighting between rebels and military forces on the highway that we're about to travel. We had just traveled this highway the week before. So we're seeing places that we recognize and we're thinking, God, like, what is... What's going on here? You know, how many times do, when we look at uh, if God is with us, we look at do we have favor? And that's our judge of, of, uh, of whether or not we're, we're within the will of God or not. We look at do we have open doors or do we have closed doors? And that's a way that we like to signal if God is really with us or if he's not. And do you know what we've learned is that God, in these, in these moments and situations, he grabs our attention with these situations. But you know, God actually has his own voice. And he doesn't need to speak through circumstance situations because he can speak all on his own. And so as this is going on, we're thinking, God, what is going on? We're about to move here. This feels like literally the door is shut for us to go. And, uh, and we prayed and God told us and he said, you know what? Nothing has changed. And we said, well, it feels like everything's changed, God, but we trust you. And so two weeks go by, the highway's still closed. It's really bad. Now the moving truck uh, that we have contracted tells us that they're not going to take our stuff. It's too dangerous to take our stuff there. The house that we were going to rent fell through. We weren't able to rent it. And now we have no place that we're going to go. And in two weeks, we're giving up the only house that we currently have. So it's feeling like we're getting a little bit closer to the lion's den and kind of, God, what is going on here? And we prayed and we asked God, God, what are you saying through this situation? And God said, nothing has changed. And so we said, okay, God, if that's what you say. And so we're in this awkward stage of we don't really know what to do with our packing, you know, because we're still using some stuff. And so we said, you know, by faith, we're going to pack one more box a day, seal it, and we're going to move on the day that we'd always planned to move. 
So three weeks go by, and now the protest makes national news. Now people are starting to pay attention because a whole sector of the country is cut off. They're, they're running low on groceries in the grocery store. Gas lines are six hours long, and you can only get three gallons at a time. And it's getting really bad in the area, and, and nothing is changing. And we're still packing, and we're leaving in one week, like, we're saying we're leaving, and everybody else is like, I don't know how you're leaving. And we're like, we're leaving. We don't, we don't know what's going on. And so we continue to pray, and God said, nothing has changed. And so now five days before our moving date, we get a call from our area director, who's the missionary who oversees all of the missionaries in a particular region of the world. And he says, so I've been following this situation, and he's like, it, it doesn't look good. He's like, I don't know what you can do, but his words to me were, but Lord help you. And we were like, well, thank you. Thank you for that. And so, uh, so we hung up the phone, and we're just, you know, borderline confused. We're just saying, God, like, you called us to go to this area. This is like the culmination of our life and ministry up to this point, and the doors are literally closed. What's going on here? And then about an hour later, in the midst of everything, we find out the government, the rebels, came to an agreement, and they were going to open the road in two days. We found a house online that we had never seen before. And we were like, God, we, we trust you. Like, whatever at this point, right? And we decided to send this owner a deposit for a house. We'd never met the guy. We'd never been to the property. And then we were able to contract the moving truck again, and we moved on the same day that we had always planned to. We arrived into the city to our house that we had never seen before at night, and it was absolutely perfect for what we needed. We loved the house that we were in, and that was the beginning of our ministry in this area. It felt like it was literally met with closed doors, but it was just the way in which the Lord wanted to open up so many other doors. And we look back and we say, we're so thankful for this experience. We're so thankful for the opportunity to have gone through that because for us, it set the tone that from this point forward, going to a place where we're the only missionaries, there's only 10 churches in, uh, in a state the size of Massachusetts, but with roads not as good as Massachusetts, and so it takes a long time to get between them. And we're the only ones there, and we know that from the very beginning, that as crazy as things are, God's got us right where he wants us. God's going to do exactly what he wants to do. And then the Seeds Project came about through a whole other uh, chain of miracles. But in the midst of these moments when we're in the lion's den, when we're at the most difficult points in our life and in our ministry, it is quite often an opportunity for the Lord to step in and do his greatest miracle, rock our faith, and set the tone for the rest of what he wants to do. And so be encouraged that as different things are going on, as the, as the world continually changes, God has gone unchanged. And the other thing that has gone unchanged is the Great Commission. It remains great, and it remains unfinished. And there are people throughout the world who are still waiting for an adequate witness of who Jesus is. This is our time. It's not the time to stop. It's not the time to slow down. As we see difficulties going on in the world, we should feel that as a more of a sense of urgency to push forward and to do more than we've ever done before. If we allow pandemics to cause us to slow down, we are missing out on great opportunities to push forward and deeper into the things that God has planned for his church. So be encouraged this morning. We're so grateful and thankful to be with you guys. And as we finish out, I just want to pray with you.
I want to pray with you a few different things. One, I want us to just take a moment and in the midst of everything that we may be going through, to just take this moment just like Daniel did and give thanks. We have so much to be thankful for. Today is Palm Sunday. We have so much to be thankful that Jesus continually went forward. He went into Jerusalem knowing his fate and he did it he did it anyway for us. And so we have that to be thankful for. And in the midst of everything else, God is still good. God is still who he says he is. And then I want to just pray for you. If you're feeling like you are maybe in the lion's den or headed towards the lion's den or just in a difficult season of your life, that the Holy Spirit just provide the peace that you need to continue pushing forward, to have that certainty, much like Daniel had this certainty that we get that that. that he was able to still pray and give thanks three times a day, even though he knew the situation and circumstance. There was a peace that just came over him of knowing that his God was with him. So if we can, let's just stand and we're going to pray. We're going to, one, just give thanks to God. Give thanks to God that in the midst of everything that's gone on, just for the past year, you know, it may sound weird, and it's not to negate difficulties that people have been through, that we've been through, but can we just say thank you for this year, for everything that's gone on, that despite it all, that he is still on the throne. Jesus, we thank you that despite everything that has gone on, despite everything that we've seen in our lives in this year, God, that you are continually good, that, that uh, every promise that you have spoken over us, that everything that you have told us continues to be true. God, we thank you that that who you are, that your Holy Spirit is still here with us, that you haven't abandoned us, that when you died and rose again, that you left your Holy Spirit behind so that we would have a constant counselor, a constant guider, a constant peace in the midst of everything going on in our life and our world. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is still with us today. We thank you for the discernment that you've given each and every one of us up until this point. And we pray that you continue to give us that discernment to be able to read through the things and the patterns of this world and know how to navigate in a way that is Christ-like. God, we thank you that the Great Commission is still great and that you ask us to be a part of it. God, that you don't just do things on your own, that you include us in yeah. these plans and it's for our benefit it's for us to be able to be a part of what you are doing around the world and have mm. greater purpose in your kingdom god we thank you for that and jesus we thank you for this church we thank you that this church is here that this church is strong that this church is moving forward and that your will be done and that we thank you for the pastors of this church god we pray that you continually speak to them lead them and guide them through every unknown territory and every mm. unknown known water that they may face. And Jesus, this morning, we also just want to lift up the people who are going through a difficult time, who yeah. maybe this morning, yeah. it's a little bit harder for them to say thank you. God, it's a little bit harder for them to acknowledge your goodness in their life when all they see is stone and a tomb around them and lions mounting attack. God, but we know mm. that you are still good. Yes. We know that you are still working and moving, and God, as they hold through, as they hold steady, as they maintain course mm -hmm. through this storm, God, that you have something on the other side. You have something for their faith. God, you want to edify them. You want to grow with them. And God, you have greater plans for them, just as we saw at the end with Daniel, how, how King Darius turned what was going to be all for his glory into what turned into God's glory, and how he made Daniel prosperous, even as a slave in another mm -hmm. land. Yeah. 
God, we thank you that you're a God who does crazy things like that, that you turn bad situations and you make them good. God, that you make, that you turn ashes into flowers, God, that you make things beautiful. And God, for whoever may be going through it this morning, whatever difficulty they may be going through, God, we just trust that you're going to make it beautiful, that you're going to make it into what you want it to be for your glory on this earth in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, my brother Brian. Praise the Lord. God is good. And what a good message dealing with Daniel. So many have faced pandemic, but they've almost closed down the gospel. No matter where you are, there is God. And that's what we have to recognize. Do not allow your surroundings to dictate who your God is. That's the most important part. I want to take a mention here. It was such a joy to see. Today is Levi's second service of being in the house of the Lord. And he is praising the Lord back there and everything, learning to raise his holy hands. There he is, the second service in the house of the Lord. Welcome, Levi. Everybody say, welcome, Levi. (laughs) Oh, my. Um, Could you imagine that all of you at one point were like that small? Can you believe it? You know, except for Trevor, he came out just the way he is, just like that. And, uh, but listen, just a reminder, and even those watching by the internet, listen, most important part is Jesus Christ has to be at the center of your life. Amen? Jesus Christ has to be at the center. Don't put anything before the Lord. Make him your savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and allow him to come in you so he can work through you. In the name of Jesus, we pray that for each one of you. Now, on the way out, we're going to take an offering. And um, I'm, going to, I'm going to send our missionaries out to there just so you can be at the table that you can kind of answer any questions and stuff that they may have. Listen, if you want some questions, you hear a lot of stuff on the news, you got a good question, got a bad question, there is no such thing as a bad question. Amen? That's how you learn. Ask a question. That's how you're going to learn a little bit about the country, a little bit what they're going, going, going to. And uh, let's pray for them. Grab one of their cards. Let's lift them up in prayer. Let's really believe the Lord to touch their ministry as they minister Jesus Christ. And as you go outside these doors, remember you're God's missionaries. You're God's light. You are God's vehicle of carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't allow your surroundings to dictate what you do. Amen? All right. Don't forget, this Wednesday is our business meeting. Be here, both member and non-member. Be here. It's important. Let me put a blessing upon you. I'm going to stay here at the altars. If you have something upon your heart, maybe a situation, maybe you feel like you're in a pit, I want you to come and just spend some time in prayer at the altar because the altar can alter your heart. Father, I just ask right now that you touch your people. Strengthen each one here. Lord, help them to know that you're the God that's with them. And Lord, will you just touch, heal, provide, and guide We thank you for today. We thank you for this mission convention. And Lord, may you help us always to carry your mission for the lost. And let us do it at any cost. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. 
or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.